Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some news to get to in both the football and basketball departments. We'll hit on that in the front of the show, and then we'll get into our full recap of Purdue. Obviously, a huge Wisconsin win, 30-13 over the Boilermakers, setting up a even bigger Big Ten West contest this weekend with Wisconsin playing host to the Iowa Hawkeyes. So that should be a lot of fun to break down that Purdue contest, which had some ups and uh, and certainly some downs, but overall a good win for the Badgers and should set up a very fun matchup with Iowa, which is always a, a good one. So it leads up nicely to a fun couple weeks here for Wisconsin football. So we'll get into everything from that matchup. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. I am um, really excited that that Illinois-Penn State game finally ended. Um, I thought it was going to go on forever, it seemed like, but in the end, the Badgers got a W, and that was the big thing from the weekend. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, it was a it was a crazy weekend. Uh, yeah, it was fun to see the Badgers get a big W and sets up a even bigger game uh, against Iowa. This Big Ten West is is still wide open, so it should be fun to um, get into that and break down this Purdue. And it's always more fun to break down a win, and we've broken down plenty of losses, so this is always on the on the more fun side, but. Uh, why don't we go into, we'll start with the news on the basketball side. We've got a little bit of a secret scrimmage that happened with the Wisconsin basketball team. So you want to fill the listeners in on what uh, kind of went down with the Badgers' annual uh, secret scrimmage. I know it's always a secret, but they always have one that kind of pops up each year with a local um, smaller team. And, uh, I mean, certainly probably not a ton to take from it, but maybe some interesting notes um, from that scrimmage. 
Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot out there. Um, I know usually they play somebody. Um, I, it's been like Iowa State in the past. Um, this year, the main thing that I noticed was that um, you're still looking at Lauren Bowman as well as Chucky Hepburn not available. Neither of them played in this. They, neither of them played in the red-white scrimmage due to injury. So hopefully they're back here. Wisconsin has um, – a, an exhibition with UW-Whitewater coming up this Friday that will be at. Um, and I'm sure a lot of fans are going to be excited to see on BTA and plus. But I think really that's the main thing right now is they don't have a true point guard if you remove those two off of uh, on the roster. So I'm really hoping that one of those guys can, can get healthy quick because I do think that those two are going to play a, a lot of minutes, um, specifically Hepburn, who I think – um, along with Johnny Davis, I, I think most folks are, are most excited to see this season. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing that you can take from something like this is those guys, I mean, now you're going into, I mean, you've still got some time before the, the basketball season officially tips off, but with them getting started with stuff on Friday, you've all of a sudden, you, you want both of those two not only just to be available for these early season matchups, scrimmages, exhibitions, stuff like that, but also you want those two to just be in practice and able to go, and right now, you know, the longer that these guys are out, the less development you've had. And it's one thing if you've got a an experienced guard, you know, say if Brad Davison was a little banged up, you know, that's probably not the end of the world. He's played enough basketball for Wisconsin to know the system, you know how things go, you can play it at this level for a long time. But with these two younger guys, you know, not really having much, uh, you know, no experience at the college level to speak of, you want them to be getting in there and getting as many reps as you can. And so far right now um, with them being banged up, that maybe slows the development a little bit. Still exciting to, to see the potential of those guys, and it'll still be exciting whenever they are able to get on the floor. But right now, that's certainly something uh, to pay attention to as you move forward. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I can speak personally. I think Chucky Hepburn's going to play a ton, assuming he's healthy. I think he's going to be your starting point guard. Um, but once again, that comes down to health and availability. So um, hopefully they get that squared away because I think um, fans coming for that scrimmage, uh, our exhibition, I should say, as well as a week later um, for their first game, I, I are really going to be looking for Hepburn, I think. Yeah, that'll be he's an exciting player. We've, of course, followed him for, for what seems like years now uh, with his recruitment and now finally going to be on the court for Wisconsin basketball. Exciting time for that group as they move forward. All right, the next piece of news, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about some awards. Leo Chanel and Colin Marsh earned Big Ten weekly awards. Not at all that big of a surprise, especially on the Chanel side, just a dominating game. Um, three and a half sacks, nine tackles, just was all over the field against Purdue, which you talk about a guy that, you know, you're not really surprised that has just really came out and, and played to the even higher level. That's Leo Chanel, um, really starting to press, and I think people across the country are starting to take notice for him. But the big one is Colin Marsh being named as Special Teams Player of the Week. I think that's significant because in all offseason we talked about Kyle Marsh and his, you know, struggles throughout his career for him to come out and, and be 10 of 12 on the year, which is huge. And I mean, just you, you wanted him to be consistent. So far he's done. He deserves all the credit in the world for bouncing back and being the player that we all were hoping to see. And, you know, we both have, have been I don't want to say critical, but there were times where the Kyle Marsh, I was critical. Let's, yeah, let's, let's be say, very both, honest here. Um, yeah, we both were a little bit, um, you know, harping on his inability to consistently make kicks. He's completely turned that around. So we've got a we've got a tip cap to uh, Kyle Marsh to not only be making kicks but be winning big awards. Huge, huge accomplishments for both of these guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you definitely have to feel um, great for Colin Larsh. I'm not going to go too much in detail because I, I know Drew wrote up an article, um, an appreciation post um, to him. He's having a phenomenal year. I hope he continues to do it. I just don't want to jinx the hell out of the kid um, <laughs> because because things are going well at the kicking position. We haven't seen stability at the kicking position and, and really just a, a confidence at that position for a while. So I, I'm going to I'm just going to say I am hopeful that it continues that way, um, especially in a low-scoring game upcoming probably against Iowa. You want all the points you can get, and that means kicking game. But then Leo Chanel, I mean, the kid's been a monster of late. Uh, he's only played in the five games, missed those first two, but he still leads the team in tackles by three. Um, he leads the team in tackles for loss with nine and a half on the year in just five games. That That's really impressive. And then he's, get, he's averaging a sack a game as well, leading the team in sacks. So you're looking at a kid who who also has the most forced fumbles, just playing out of his gourd right now. And, and hopefully he keeps it going because he, he is an energizer for this defense. He brings a ton of energy, a physicality to the way he plays. Um, given his size, and I think you're looking at a kid who's who's made a tremendous jump for, from um, playing last year in, in those you know few games as his first year as a starter to really dominating this year. And I, I think you look at it, and he's probably the most like physically impressive and like guy when you look out on the field um, and see what he's doing. Probably the best middle linebacker. I mean, Sanborn's probably in general just as talented. But I think Chanel just brings a, a dynamic capability that I think Wisconsin really hasn't had since maybe Edward, TJ Edwards or uh, or Chris Borland. I think he's kind of got that level and that level of attitude to him that I, I just don't think a lot of linebackers have had at Wisconsin in some time. Yeah, he's he's really just been a, a dominating force out there for the Badgers. Really came along well. Not you know a guy that we expected to make a huge jump, but really is is taking that and 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 even more so uh, the way he's been playing. And like you mentioned, physically imposing. I, I love that he puts uh, right death row on his arm. Just a scary dude that I, I would not um, want to be lining up across with when you we see him barreling down um, with that speed, that size that he's got. It, it's just uh, really scary. And, and he's been really impressive and will likely be a huge factor once again coming up against uh, an Iowa team that should be a really, really, really physical uh, football game. Yeah, I, sh- I should say Chris Orr. Love that guy um, as well, and I think he had a tremendous career with the Badgers. Um, he actually came back and is now working with the team, which I think is a good move, um, working specifically with helping players uh, on and off the field. So I I, I don't want to discount him, but I just think Chanel just brings something a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I saw him uh, fired up on the sidelines, that being Chris Orr this past weekend, which was good to see. And, um, yeah, it should be an exciting time for uh, Leo Chanel as well. All right, another piece of news that just broke shortly before we started recording was Caden Lyles, of course, the Badger center, um, has announced his intent to transfer out of Wisconsin. Not super surprising. I mean, you've looked at the way this year has gone for him. Expected start at the beginning of the year just hasn't really panned out in that situation. Of course, you had some rotation in there at the offensive line, really at every position, but, you know, Caden Lyles not really getting a ton of snaps, a ton of reps. A very talented player could certainly go somewhere else and get that, but um, maybe the timing of it a little strange. I know there's there's been a lot of guys entering the transfer portal at kind of an awkward time in the season where you can't really go somewhere new right now, so you're kind of in that limbo situation, but hopefully he can go and and find a place to play out the rest of his career. I I know things have kind of ebbed and flowed for him throughout his entire time at Wisconsin, but 
What do you make of, of that decision and that announcement? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense when you look at the fact that he's got a younger kid, Joe mm-hmm. Tittman, starting over him. Tittman now fully healthy. Uh, and, and really they've got other options like Cormac Sampson as a reserve center. You've got Tanner Bordellini as a reserve center, both guys that I think the staff's really high on as well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you got a feel for the kid. He came into the season with 29 starts, played all over. I mean, he's played all over. He played, um, defensive end. He played left guard. He's played center. Um, has really struggled with some health issues. Um, and it seemed like every offseason he was going through surgery. Um, so, you got to wish the best for him. Um, Team Barber, so he's, he's like one of the nicest kids out there. So hopefully he can find his footing, um, get fully health, healthy, and maybe take some time here to, to prepare for next year, this spring, wherever he lands, and, and can, can find a starting role. I mean, he, he is talented. Um, he, he's physically limited in some ways because of all those injuries. But this is still a kid who came into the year as a Remington Trophy watch list guy. So um, there is talent, and and really, I continue to wonder what it would have what would have looked like his career if he would have just stayed um, at the, on the defensive line um, after they made that shift, saying they they needed somebody there. What that would have looked like, um, I know that they've got a couple guys um, that have kind of jumped up, Keanu Benton specifically, but. Um, you just wonder if, if that would have maybe taken a, a little less pounding on his body um, as a defensive lineman. So best of luck to him. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, his brother seemed to have find, found some success after transferring. Maybe he can too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point uh, when you note that, of course. Um, you know, the family <laughs> having that transfer, and hopefully he does find success. I mean, he's been a player that has put his time in at Wisconsin done really whatever the team, you know, the, the coaching staff has asked him to do. Like you mentioned, moving positions, that is, you know, has to be hard on a kid uh, for sure. You know, he stepped up into and moved into the offensive line role. And, you know, throughout his career, you know, up until I know this year was maybe a little bit of a struggle for him, but before that, uh, battled through injuries and, and played fairly well when he was out there. I know consistently not out there as much as he probably wanted to, but um, certainly a guy that gave a lot to Wisconsin and you hope that he lands on his feet and can finish out his career strongly. Uh, wherever he does end up. All right, that'll wrap up that piece of news. We'll go ahead and get into our next piece and get into the injury report and presser um, from this past uh, week and, of course, leading into this Iowa game. In terms of the injury report, the only big and major piece to take is the fact that the entire tight end room seems to be completely banged up. Um, we've talked about it. You know, the Early in the season, we've talked about um, and in the offseason, you know, all of a sudden the tight end room having a ton of depth. Well, thankfully they do because right now um, it just seems to be the injuries continue to mount at that position. So, I mean, in terms of injury report, that's really the big takeaway. But major, major things we need to notice, you know, Eschenbach, Cam Marge, uh, Jake Ferguson, all of them uh, banged up right now and on the injury report, which is, is not a sight you want to see. I mean, you all of a sudden last week, but Saturday, you got saw Jalen Franklin in the game because – they had so many injuries mounting at that spot. So what did you make of the injury report that came out earlier today? Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing with Cundiv. Eschenbach, Large, mm-hmm. Rucci, all all down. They're, they're really shorthanded. Um, once again, Cormac Sampson brought him up as a guy who could play center. He, he could also play tight end, having played that early in his career as a blocker. So um, I, I know his mom has a shirt that has a whole bunch of different numbers on there because he's – He's changed numbers so many times in his career, um, which I think is hilarious. But I think Wisconsin will be okay at the tight end position. Um, Jalen Franklin actually 
played really well, mm-hmm. I thought. He had some nice plays there as a as a blocker, which I, I know is kind of the the next step for him is 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 kind of getting comfortable as a blocker as well as um you know knowing the full route tree and being out there. But I think this is good experience for him. Hopefully you can get a guy like Cundiff or Eschenbach back though, because I, I think you're looking at a really physical game and you don't know what what happens if Jalen Franklin goes down or Cormac Sampson goes down or um God forbid Jake Ferguson goes down, right? Like there's there's a, a lot of dominoes there and, and if you lose one or two more guys, you're you're hurting. So Hopefully they can get healthy here quick, but um, I think, like you said, that's the big thing going into this Iowa week. Yeah, I mean, when you add in, you know, just the fact that this this Iowa Wisconsin game is always just so incredibly physical. You want you're gonna have packages where you're gonna use, you know, ideally a couple tight ends to run the football, um, and now all of a sudden you're gonna have guys that are banged up. You might not have that same depth, and and that might you know hinder the playbook a little bit where maybe you're not able to go to some of those, you know, multiple tight end sets and do the things that you might want to do uh, against a, a very physical Iowa defense. So that that's going to be the real big wrinkle to watch from the injury report is which guys are able to go, how much are they able to give you, because that's going to be a, a spot that Wisconsin always relies on, um, you know, game in, game out, but certainly in a matchup like this with a physical Iowa defense. So, uh, really, that's the big thing. Not a ton, thankfully, otherwise in the injury report, but that's the, the major concern at this point in time. Yes, sir. Want to talk a little Purdue here? Yes, let's get right into that uh, Purdue contest now, which was a game that um, there there certainly were some mistakes, but at the end of the day, I think you have to look at it and go, you went on the road, beat a top 25 team in Purdue, fairly handily dominated the defensive side. You know, really traditional kind of Big Ten Wisconsin win, just running the football and playing good defense, which gets you a huge victory. So it's hard to really be overcritical. I mean, there were certainly mistakes that were magnified and, and some, you know, fumbles, turnovers, things like that. But overall, great dominating road win against a team that just knocked off what was then the number two Iowa. So I don't want to be uh, overly critical. So what did you uh, make of this game, just uh, kind of a general consensus of this contest? Yeah, I mean, high level, you, you look at it in first half, Wisconsin really squandered some opportunities, um, looked a little rusty at times. And, I mean, I mean, you you would have figured that the ball was greased just how many times Wisconsin was fumbling it. Um, but I really thought that they did a good job of settling in and kind of taking over in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, Wisconsin just said, okay, we're just going to run the ball. And the defense made some some tremendous individual plays. Um, so I, I think when you look at it, I think the big thing for me to take away from this was that Wisconsin was able to flip the script in terms of turnovers in, in this game. And I think when you look at it all season long, it's been the offense has struggled with, t- with turnovers and the defense hasn't generated enough. In this game, the first half, Wisconsin's offense and special teams um, were, were pretty loose with the ball and we saw some turnovers um, that directly led to some points for Purdue. But it, but in the second half, you saw the Wisconsin defense take over, get some takeaways, and, and really just shift that game in a lot of ways. Um, there were some turnovers in the first half as well, but I, I was really impressed by the Wisconsin secondary's ability to make some individual plays on the ball and, and, and take advantage of those opportunities. I know Jim Leonard had to be smiling because uh, it, it wasn't too long ago where he was asked in, in the press conference about uh, if, if the guys in the secondary can catch the ball, and, and they did a really good job in this game. And I think that was what jumped out to me in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I mean, this this defense, and maybe that's a good way to start as we kind of do with, you know, bouncing back and forth. Maybe we'll start with the pot. I mean, the, the offense was certainly had some positives, but the defense was by far and away just once again a, a tremendous unit. And, and front to back, really, it's, you know, oftentimes, you know, the last few weeks, of course, the Army game, we talked about the linebackers and, and you know, Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn just dominating, rightfully so. They had an incredible game. This week, I think it was really a concerted effort front to back. I thought, you know, guys like Isaiah Mullins up on the defensive line were flying around. Keanu Benton always plays, you know, fairly well, but um, some other guys were were working in there. I think that's an, a storyline that maybe doesn't get enough credit when you talk about this defense is how good and deep, once again, this defensive line is. Um, the linebackers, all all of them played phenomenal. Herbig, uh, Sanborn, Chanel, all played really well. But the secondary, yeah, was was probably the, the unit that stood out the most because you came out and you, you kind of said, you know, all year with this defense, what could they be if the secondary, you know, wasn't getting big hit for some big plays and, and was maybe, you know, converting some of these plays that were pass breakups into interceptions. Well, we saw that, you know, Colin Wilder was flying around, John Torchio. Um, we, we knew that he was a guy that could make plays. He went and made it. And all of a sudden you just saw front to back how good this defense can be. I mean, <laughs> negative 13 rushing yards. Uh, David Bell, who we talked about, you know, all week prior, is a big concern. Just completely shut him down. Um, so you just have to tip your credit to, or tip your hat and give credit to everyone, you know, from the coaching staff to the players, everybody on that Wisconsin defense just played a phenomenal game of football. And when they play that way and they get what they got on offense, this is a team that can can win some games. And, and you have to feel confident about uh, the directions they're going, at least based on that performance. Absolutely. I mean, you look at that front seven, six sacks. I know Leo Chanel stuffed the, the stat sheet with three, three and a half of them, but I like that you brought up Mullins. I, I thought he was a guy who really jumped out to me as, um, you know, kind of an under-the-radar um, player of the game type type of action. But then you look at Colin Wilder. Um, he went out and you, he was always there. He was always around the ball all season long, but he actually took advantage of those opportunities, had the interception, that forced fumble, fumble recovery at the same time where he just – um, took the ball away um, from um, Purdue tight end Payne Durham. Um, and, and really just the secondary had a, had a tremendous game plan to, to limit touches um, and opportunities uh, for David Bell. And I think when you look at just how much he has um, been able to do pretty much whatever he wanted to all year long, he only had one game coming into this where he he um, did not have over 100 yards, and that was against Notre Dame, where he still got 64 yards and a touchdown. For, for the Badgers to limit him to only six touches and 33 yards was a hell of a game. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think the front seven continues to dominate and puts, puts the secondary in places that they can succeed. And in this game, they made the plays. And I think that's the biggest thing, because if Wisconsin can get turnovers, they can, they can run run through the rest of their schedule. I, th- I think that's the, been the missing thing is taking care of the ball on one side and being able to make plays on, and takeaways on the other side, and you saw it. Aiden O'Connell, we knew, had uh, a tendency to sometimes throw interceptions through three of them. Wisconsin did a, a great job of that, got after the quarterback, and, and really did what they've been doing all year long in terms of stuffing the run and net negative 13 net rushing yards um, is, is pretty dominant and, and really it, it tells of, about how Wisconsin you take away that that uh, defensive score that Purdue had and this game is is even um, less close than it was I mean you're looking at a, a 30 to 6 game so 
Wisconsin, I think this was by far their best performance of the year. Um, there's still, you know, things that need to be cleaned up. But overall, this is a tremendous jump from what we've seen the first few games. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. They're, you know, front to back, you know, everybody getting involved in, in putting up points and just holding the, the opposition to absolutely nothing. I mean, we've seen that on one side you know, time and time again, but the secondary play made plays. The offense certainly looked better, and it, it just was a concerted, dominating effort against, you know, this isn't just any slouch of a team. I mean, the week before, yeah, maybe Purdue was a little bit off, you know, hangover off that big win against Iowa, but it's still a road win in the Big Ten West, so you can't really, um, you know, you point to that and say, hey, you know, Wisconsin just caught them napping. No, Purdue was, was fired up for that game. You know, they, they'd lost 14 straight times. You knew that you were going to come out and get their best effort, and Wisconsin just took it to them, which was a really a, a nice performance. I mean, you know, that Army game was close late. There was a lot of mistakes you didn't like to have. That the Illinois game was it was just kind of a you know, run the ball and, and took, took care of business in that one. It was nice to see this team just come out and dominate a football game in the way that all offseason you expected that that was the recipe um, that was going to do it. Certainly different names uh, on the offensive side. You didn't know if Braylon Allen was going to be the guy that he was, but um, you expected to win the games by dominating on the ground and playing great defense, and uh, that's the way they did it. And I think that's the recipe for success for this team moving forward. Yeah, I mean. The recipe has to be that second half. Like, the first half was about as boring, and um, it looked like the same movie that we had seen throughout this season where they the Badgers were taking the gun, shooting themselves in the foot, and saying, ah, shucks, right? Like, it was just one of those where y- you have opportunities at the one-yard line to punch it in, you can't do it. You, you saw fumbles, turnovers, special teams miscues, but for them to just kind of take all that, wash it away, and, and dominate in the second half, I think – really hopefully gives some confidence for this team and gets them going because I, I think that's what needs to happen if they want to be able to beat Iowa is you need that second half performance and not the first one. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. You know, I actually watched the game. I was doing some stuff and I watched the game on delay and I was like, man, this uh, this first half is, is, <laughs> is crawling. And I'm like, oh man, here we go. We're set up for the same thing that we've had uh, however many weeks in a row now. But thankfully that second half they came out and really took it to this Purdue team on both sides of the ball, which was nice to see. So, I mean, in, in terms of, you know, what we what we want to talk about defensively, I think that kind of puts a bow on it. Mean, just a dominating effort. I don't know how many times we could sit here uh, and just say, you know, how great this team is because that's been an ongoing trend for, for weeks now. Offensively, I, of course, well, we can start with the positive, maybe with the run game once again. Really looked good. Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen, I think every week, the more that those guys get into a rhythm, not only with each other, but with the offensive line. I, I have to give credit. We've harped on the offensive line throughout this year. I think they had one of their better performances in terms of running the ball, passing. You know, you only throw it eight times. It's hard to really gauge where that's at, but that's maybe a different conversation. But what did you make offensively of, of the run game and, and how impressive have been have the you know, the guys like Malusi and Braylon Allen, Ben, despite, you know, yeah, there was the fumble, but they still bounced back and were able to carry the the load offensively. Yeah, I think I think that one-two punch is, is really taking a nice step. I, I think you know what the offense is wanting to do now. Like, they have an identity. That was something that Paul Christ had said, we want to find an identity. Well, your identity is you've got two talented tailbacks and you need to hand them the ball. Um, and the Wisconsin offensive line, this – I know a lot of people are, are 
going to bring up pass pro, and we're going to talk about that. But but Wisconsin has never been tremendous at pass pro. It is it is lean on teams with your big hog mollies and, and run the ball. And in this group right now definitely is a better run blocking group than they are a pass blocking group. Um, and there's really no question about that. There's still some some miscues, some some things to clean up, even in the running game where you could see Purdue shoot some gaps, get into the backfield, and, and get some stuff. Um, you're looking at that uh, jet sweep action to Kendrick Pryor, which was, I think, a stupid play call. Um, but then you also saw where guys were getting getting in the backfield, but Malusi and Allen did enough to, to, to be elusive and get past them. And... And so I think that was something that I really liked to see was even when, you know, it wasn't looking great because they were getting hit in the backfield, those guys were able to make plays. I mean, that touchdown run that Malusi had was, was I think, his best run of the year. That was so good. That spin move he had to, to free himself and then he able to make some lemonade there was awesome. Um, and then Braylon Allen kind of clean up that fumble. Um, he runs a little high when, when he's about to get hit sometimes, which opens up the ball. But I, I think you're looking at, at these two, and I, I think you've got to be confident with what you have and the fact that you've kind of got a guy who's who's played a little bit more and a younger guy who in both of them don't bring the same skill set. I think you're in a good spot with this running game, and hopefully they can continue to move the ball because they're going to need to run the ball against Iowa. I know Iowa's going to try to run the ball in Wisconsin as well, and, and it was nice to see them run the ball against the defense who who has been really good against the run all year long. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point of it is that this wasn't, you know, we, we've talked about it last week with Purdue. That wasn't your traditional Purdue defense where you were just going to line up and, and you, you didn't expect to just dominate on the ground the way that they did. They've got – you know, Karloftis, of course, made some plays in that game. He, he's a dominating force up front. They've got some other guys up front. You expected to make it at least, you know, and, it, and there were certain times where, where some plays got stopped. But overall, I mean, it, it was a challenge, and, and I think this group really rose to the challenge and, and took advantage of it. Um, I, I think Ches Malusi is, is really, I mean, he was the guy that was getting more of the carries. Um, you know, in, in that first half, you didn't see as much Braylon Allen, and all of a sudden in the second half, you know, they really went to Allen to, to kind of wear them down and, and continue to give him those carries, keep that confidence up, of course, after the fumble. So I think that combo is is really working well and nicely. And the more they click, I think the better this run game will be. And uh, hopefully that trend continues upward. You've seen it get better each week with those two. Hopefully that continues against this Iowa team because, you know, while Purdue is a good front, this is probably just as tough of a test, at least on paper in terms of statistics. This Iowa defense will be a, a test for this group for sure. But if they run the ball the way they did and clean up some of those you know, fumbles, mistakes, stuff like that, um, I think they're in a good spot heading into this contest. Yeah, and, and the, another thing that the, these two um, have the ability to do that we haven't seen we didn't see last year really with, with Jalen Berger when he was there was Malusi and Allen had both hit chunk plays, and that's something that this Wisconsin offense needs, and both of them hit. Malusi had a 35-yarder and a 20-plus-yarder on the touchdown. Allen dropped, dropped that 70-yard uh, scamper as well. Uh, so you're looking at two guys who are able to break the tackle and, and make gains after. I thought both of them did really good with that. That's been my biggest critique of Malusi all year long was sometimes he goes down a little early with, with an arm tackle, but, 
But Allen and Lucy did a much better job of that, of, of pushing the pile forward, breaking that one tackle, making the one guy miss, and, and then being able to go from there. Also, John Chanel's block, that pancake that he had um, on that Braylon Allen 70-yarder was, was a thing of beauty, and that was a huge hole. If you look at the behind the offensive line, that, that film, it is wide open for him to run, and um, he, he made the most of it. So kudos to him. Yeah, I think that run game, you know, you, you talked about the huge hole. I think everyone, you know, Paul Chris talks about it a lot in his pressers that, you know, when the run game's going well, it takes it takes the fullbacks, it takes the tight ends, it takes the, obviously the offensive line in the backs, it takes everybody um, to get that, that ground game rolling. And it seemed like it was a concerted effort um, with everyone, or an entire effort from everyone to really um, keep the ground game going. And, and that was the entire <laughs> offensive success was, you know, getting through the ground um, because the transition to the passing game, only eight pass attempts, um, and which was, you know, when you can run the ball and, and just keep handing it off, um, it, it works. I mean, you, you maybe want to get a few more passing attempts, but when you have another option um, that you can go for, yeah, that's, uh, I suppose, a recipe to win you a game. Maybe it won't work as well uh, in this Iowa game. You're probably going to need to air it out a little bit more. But what did you make of, of that part of it? Because I think – well, that's one thing we have to talk about is just the fact that, you know, eight passing attempts is certainly probably not enough balance to do that consistently. But at the same time, of those eight pass attempts, I thought a lot of the play calling were were good. You know, quick throws like we talked about, big grand merch and a rhythm. You just, I think you would have liked to see maybe a little bit more attempt at that because when he did have those throws, started out five of five, and then the second half just really hardly any sort of passing game whatsoever. I think you you got the confidence in him early, but it just kind of went away after that. Yeah, I mean, I think the early script was there. Um, they, mm-hmm. they put some easy throws for him to be able to do. I love that they got the backfield involved, a couple um, swing passes to get your backs um, out in space, which obviously those are your top two players on your mm-hmm. offense right now. You need to content, continue to get them the ball in space whenever you can. So I liked that. Um but I just don't know if Paul Chris really trusts this passing game when it comes to the offensive line and Mertz right now. I just don't think he sees uh, enough to say, yep, we're going to throw it 20 times and find a lot of success. If we don't need to do it, let's not do it. Because when you've seen the turnovers, I know that Allen um, had two fumbles, one of which he lost. Malusi also had the, the fumble as well, and, but that's Wisconsin fell on. But you look at it as the big plays, the the real you know horror shows have been when they're trying to pass. So whether that be because of miscommunication by a, a back, whether it be a missed assignment by the offensive line or a bad throw, that's when it's popped up. So I think you know you look at it as Chris is, is saying, okay, we're going to cut our losses and we're going to focus on what we can do well and we're going to do it better and better each week, which we've seen. So I think right now they just don't have a ton of confidence in this in this passing attack. And I might be wrong, but but at the same time, they're going to need to against Iowa. I, I really just think that it's going to have to happen and it's going to be instances where those easy passes um, need to continue to be completed like they were those first five. But then opportunities like that one to prior just need to be there to give him a shot because that ball was nowhere close. And if that's anywhere out in front of him, he could be walking into the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a huge play there that if you hit that, all of a sudden you – you give your passing offense, you know, it, it's more of a threat to the defense. I mean, Purdue 
while they didn't really stop the run, they really could sit there and just say, okay, you know, they're they're not going to confidently call a pass and and hit it. Now, thankfully, the run game was clicking, but yeah, I agree with you. I think against Iowa, they're going to say, you know, we're going to make you make some of these passes, and and thankfully for Wisconsin, when in some of those they were ahead of the chains, were able to hit those quick throws, but you're probably going to have to find some sort of confidence, some sort of rhythm to at least keep a defense honest. I don't want to get too much into Iowa preview, but I think that's a a huge telling thing. When you see an offense only throw it eight times, Kirk Ferentz and that group is going to say, okay, they clearly don't have the confidence to throw it. Let's make them get uncomfortable and get into those situations. So that'll be a fascinating battle for sure. But, yeah, right now, if you don't have the confidence to do it and you can do the run game and, and run it well, I can totally understand while you get to, it's just going to be an interesting matchup to watch as you move forward because, you know, running only throwing it eight times is is a recipe that when it works and you've got that run game, great. But if it doesn't, what's going to happen as you move forward is going to be a, a really interesting and telling thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly thought it was funny at, because all week you had heard, um, you know, the, the rhetoric behind the scenes was, Oh, they got to pass the ball more. They got to get the ball to wide receivers, and and we talked about those short, easy passes too. Um, but um, Paul Curtis just says screw it, screw it, and runs the ball every damn play. Um, so it was just funny to kind of see that game script completely flip. But you look at it offensive line wise, they did some amazing stuff on the ground. They still got to clean up a bunch. Penalties were killer, um, and Wisconsin was able to overcome it. That that main that first drive that they were able to score on um, and really go the length of the field. But, but that can't keep happening because it put you in tough positions. And later on, you saw when Wisconsin had some troubles, they were in third and long situations when they weren't ahead of the chains. And, and Graham Murphy right now in this offense, this passing game isn't there. The offensive line isn't able to, to give him enough time. You saw that, that uh, Carlaftis touchdown where, where Mertz fumbled it. Um, Brady Shipper should have should have been there for the block. You could see it right away. I, neither of them saw it. Neither neither Shipper or Mertz on that that play, and and they both got to do better. Um, Shipper, I don't know how he didn't see him, to be perfectly honest. But the both of them be able got to be able to be better there and um, give give Mertz a little bit more time. But but Mertz has got to deliver when he's got the opportunities too. So passing game is what it is at this point. They we've talked about it. They're inconsistent to a consistent point. But um, they they got to be better and they got to keep keep working at it. Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly. I, I think the way you you've got to look at it, cause like we said last week, it's right now this offense is what it is. When the run game's clicking like that, you, you've got yourself a, sh- a chance because you have that defense that you can lean on. If all of a sudden the run game you know isn't working, uh, then you you're probably in a situation where you're going to have to get uncomfortable and, and make some of those throws and complete some of those passes. So. That's going to be a fascinating thing to watch for as you move forward into this Iowa week is, is how that passing game develops, how much they trust it, how much they go to it, and what do they do when they are eventually forced to come to it. Because, you know, Purdue, they had enough success on the ground game to do that. But if that's not there, that's going to be an, an important and, and fun thing to watch in that X's and O's uh, battle type of thing. Maybe not so fun for um, the heart rate of, of a fan watching that game because uh, it, it might get a little ugly if, if you've got to rely on the passing game too much. Uh, but thankfully, they have not had to um, in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Anything, let's, you want to talk turnovers, fumbles, anything else you want to hit on before we uh, before we get out of here? A couple other things. Uh, 
play calling at the one after yeah. Torchio got it down to the one was atrocious. Like you can't run the same play twice and and run into the run into a brick wall and then and then try the jet sweep at the one. I was just like, what are we doing here? I was surprised that we didn't see a quarterback sneak, which worked uh, just earlier in the week. Or, I mean, earlier in the year, um, or a fullback dive. I, I think those are your bread and butter in short yardage. Use it. Like, stop trying to get cute. Let's uh, let's try to pound it in there. If that's what you've been doing all game long and trying to do, why all of a sudden try to veer from that? I, I didn't understand it. Um, settling for a field goal in that situation just is unacceptable when you have a bunch of 320-pound offensive linemen who, who are best at running the ball. So, that was frustrating, um, but the offensive line needs to be better there to to make those holes still there. Um, but but I just I would have liked to have seen a quarterback sneak or a fullback dive at some point um, in that possession. Um, you got three plays there, um, and then the other thing was special teams, man. Like like we talked about Lars, he he kicked the ball well. Andy Vujnovic still doing great as a punter, but punt return is a freaking circus still. Like what are what are your thoughts on this? It's it's kind of like you know how the offense we you just it is what it is right now and you expect it that's kind of where you're getting to with the special teams I mean it's every week that you you almost are just sitting there holding your breath you know whenever the team you know comes out and punts it I think they would be better off right now just not putting anyone back there and just letting the ball bounce and you do (laughs) position where you're at because you're all you're just putting yourself at such a risk every time the the ball is kicked I mean I, don't, I, I mean, even Jack Dunn back there, when he, he at least would go up um, and, and catch it most of the time, and you didn't worry about it as much. You still worry about that fumble or a muff. But right now it's just incredibly inconsistent and, and frustrating that it's week in and week out that this doesn't get cleaned up. Because it's not like a ton of them aren't physical mistakes. It's Some of them are just mental or, or looking away from the ball, and all of a sudden you, you've got a muff and it's on the turf. It's just – it's hard to imagine why you know that these type of things can't get cleaned up, um, you know, throughout a week. I know Paul Chris kind of mentioned that that, he, that you know one, the the fumble by Ingram, he was just trying to make a play, sure, but that that's still that's that's one excuse in a long line of issues with the special teams unit. So um, it's it's certainly frustrating, and it doesn't look like there's an end in sight with that. And We've seen it in you know this Iowa game before, you know special teams and and there's going to be mistakes will be crucial and costly in a game like that. We saw it Iowa a couple of years ago and it was a big break for the Badgers, but in the reverse it could be a killer in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I liked to, I liked having Jim Ray DK back there returning kickoffs um, at, with Devin Chandler no longer with the team, but um, I, I think when you look at just the way that the wide receivers want to get involved if they want touches put them in special team situations so like they did with D- with dk put danny davis back there at punt return like what are yeah. we doing here the kid was out there w- when they had issues with jack dunn two years ago they put danny davis back there so why isn't he back there now if if he's probably your guy we've seen him in practice catching it we know he's he's there he's got the best hands on the team um we've seen that time and time again so why isn't he the one back there um another kid who's got a ton of experience if we need touches for the wide receivers that fixes a lot of different things put him back there and let him let him play it doesn't matter if if we don't get a lot of yards out of the punt return unit as long as we don't see 
some of these muff situations and in, in yardage being given away. I just think that it, it just makes too much sense. And I think that having your best players out there, I know I've said this um, many a time, but having your best 11 is just so important. And if Danny Davis is one of your best players, I don't understand why he's not back there returning um, returning the punts. Um, if they're, you're willing to put DK back there to return kickoffs, there's no reason not Danny Davis shouldn't be back there returning the punts. Yeah, I totally, especially when, you know, I understand in, in certain you know, certain teams, if you've got a guy that you don't want to have out there because of injury, you know, he's an important player, but you're throwing it eight times a game. So, yeah, Danny Davis is important does the passing game, but is he that much more important? I mean, if you can get him touches in that punt return, why not? I mean, he's a guy that you want the ball in your hands and you're having trouble getting the ball in his hands in the traditional sense. So why not <laughs> Why not put him back there to see if he can make a play? He's shifty. He's got the good hands. And at, at the very least, he's a guy that I think reliably can catch it. So <laughs> you don't want – I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I expect you know Danny Davis to all of a sudden give you some sort of pulse and, and all of a sudden he's going to break off these big returns. You just want somebody who can catch it maybe makes a guy miss, gets you five, seven, ten yards, and doesn't fumble it. That's really all, at this point, that's all you can really ask for for the special teams because it's so much better than any alternative that you're having right now with the muffs or the fair catching in the within you know the ten-yard line, catching it at the five, just all sorts of the, the mental mistakes that continue to continually pop up. Yeah, I mean, um, Fayon Hicks said that, the fair catch there where it was, it was just like, we didn't need to, or like nobody needed to catch that ball. It was going to go through the end of the end zone, like just let it go. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I keep coming back to Danny Davis. You mentioned it. You got to get him touches. He, he has two, two receptions in the past four games, um, both of which were against army. So if he's not going to get touches in the passing game, get him on there in some way if you know that he's one of your best players so that's that's my soapbox um and i'll continue to pound that drum because i do think that uh he, he's a guy that you need to get the ball in his hands and i think he can help you out in special teams absolutely absolutely and you're not you're not in a situation where he's he's your offense he, he's not getting uh, touch after touch after touch where you're worried about an injury that might be you know in special teams the way this wisconsin defense shuts him down he might get more touches, you know, returning punts than he does in the passing game right now. And, and probably, you know, the way that you look at it, based on the way the offense moves and the defense moves, that's probably the best opportunity to get the ball in his hands. So I totally agree with you, especially a guy that has, has been back there before and we've seen him do it in games and in practice. I'm just hard-pressed to see why he, he can't do it um, or can't be put back there to try it um, moving forward. All right, anything else you want to hit on quick before we um, wrap it up? I think we've touched offense, defense, special teams, fumbles. That was really uh, a lot of that's the story of, of, a, of a, again, still a very good win against Purdue. I, I don't want to sound nitpicky. There was some certainly some things to clean up, but overall it was a, a very good game for Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's okay to be critical of stuff yeah. that, are, that we saw, especially in the first half, that were kind of negatives and kind of hurt this team. But, but overall, you've got to be very excited about how this team is playing. They, they've now won a few games in a row. If they can keep stringing them together. I know Bill Connolly came out with his um, projected win totals and updated. And Wisconsin's right now projected at 7.7 seven wins with um, a – 28% chance that they're going to get seven wins, 39% chance of eight wins, and 22% chance 
chance of nine wins. I, I think given the start to the season, you got to be pretty excited about that. And, and hopefully Wisconsin can get to that eight, nine win threshold um, because I think you're right back to kind of where you, you thought this team could be at the beginning of the year. Um, it, it's not necessarily the recipe that you thought, but if they can get to nine wins, eight wins, I, I think overall it's, it's not terrible. It's not, it's not perfect because they left a lot out on the field, but, but at the same time, this is a team that's playing a lot better football as of late, and they've found an identity and offense. Yeah, that's what you, you, you've had to ask for. and You signed up for that and, and where they're at right now based on after that you know, horrendous start, if you would have said, you know, this team bounced back the way that they have, I think everybody would have taken it because the rough, uh, the beginning were, was very rough. And uh, it's nice to see that this team has found some confidence. They're playing better, found an identity, like you mentioned. I think uh, all of a sudden you've got uh, a little bit of excitement to move forward. And, and certainly that moves them into a, a huge, like I said, a huge Big Ten West battle um, against the Iowa Hawkeyes, which is always a great game, always a great rivalry. But now all of a sudden you've got, um, some even bigger things to play for as you move forward in this contest. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Wisconsin.